Welcome to the Ashley Knuckles Podcast. I'm your host, Brian W. We got, as usual, my co-host, Mosey, and my, Hello. Boy, my boy, Marky G. What up? And we got our regular guest, B-Boy Manimal. What's up, player? What up? We got an interesting podcast today, um, Friday edition, and tomorrow... We'll be crowning a new lightweight champion in the UFC. We'll talk a little bit about that car tomorrow. Some rumors and uh, rumblings in the MMA world. And just get an overall, you know, chat, little chill session with the boys. We got four longtime friends, and we're going to just have a good time, man. So um, we'll start off pretty, we just guys thing, keep it MMA related. And uh, let's talk about last week's card and what y'all thought. I saw very little of that card. It was, I mean, look, Donald Cerrone is a legend in this sport. And to see him, you know, kind of get pieced up like that made me think about, like, some of the other guys that came to the end of their career and kept going. Because it's hard to turn it off. It's hard to step away. And some dudes, they need to be pushed out. Some guys walk away gracefully. Some guys don't. But what y'all, what you guys think about last card, that main event in particular, and um, just your overall thoughts? I'll start with Mark. What's up, man? Overall, the card was just okay. There was nothing spectacular, spectacular about it. There was some sad moments, obviously, Donald Cerrone. You know, I hate seeing legends go out like that, but. You know, it's hard to shut it off, like you said. The main event, it wasn't a bad main event. Rodriguez, she showed her chops. So, you know, and I'm a huge Watterson fan. I'll watch any of her fights, but Rodriguez, that was her night. Uh, I got a special place in my heart for the karate hottie, man. She's She's an amazing athlete and mother. But like you said, Rodriguez, man, she showed her skills. So you got to give props to the person. You got to give props. Both people coming in there, they they want to win. So you got to give props when they, they're earned. And she definitely earned it. What do you think? Oh, I got a lot to say. I probably saw as much as you saw because we was preoccupied. Yeah. And <laughs> from what I gathered is Cerrone lost to a lower tier fighter given he says the heavier weight class that he's in they hit a lot harder but he should have been fighting Diego Sanchez that makes sense that's that uh, we 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 won't have to talk about that yet that's a whole entirely different subject no no I think we should talk about that because I think that we should have a situation where we take a lot of the older guys and make kind of like a Legends Legacy League. The way I feel about it is that Donald Cerrone didn't want the fight in the first place, so his heart wasn't in it. I I fully expected him to lose after hearing the way he was talking, like uh, about the whole Diego Sanchez situation. Uh, All his comments were like, "Why? why am I fighting at 170? Uh, this isn't where I want to be. 
um you know why am i even fighting diego like i don't get nothing out of it like just just like you know all all these young uh young dudes that are coming up are hungry they're like i don't give a fuck i'll eat anybody put on my plate like this dude just like questioning whether he even wants to like you know what i mean so i think it, it, he is at the end of his career dude like so it was kind of i fully expected that that him to lose he, he kind of like stiffened up and just like you know it was just really weird uh, i don't feel his heart was in it from the beginning and then uh the rodriguez man that was a lot of pressure uh she seemed to be like uh more top heavy so she was throwing like a lot heavier strikes like uh I don't feel an old girl uh, knew what to do, couldn't stand in the pocket, couldn't like, you know, block or counter strike. And it was, it was an all right fight, but uh, it was just too much pressure from my feel for a more top heavy Rodriguez. I missed that whole fight. I mean, that's a fair assessment. I mean, Rodriguez basically used her range and pieced her up and Michelle Watterson just couldn't get in on her. She was stuck on the outside trying to jump in and just getting pieced up all night. That's what I saw. So the same thing. Um, and like I said before, I'm a huge karate hottie fan. But the thing about the women's division that is true in almost every weight class is it's fairly top heavy. There's like maybe two or three top tier fighters and then the rest of the roster is just like middle tier and and roster filler and i think michelle is in that middle tier like she she's good but not great and she probably like at this point in her career she's kind of you know at a crossroads like a lot of the guys that we just we just mentioned don Cerrone. He's always been that guy who didn't get it done against a big name on the big stage. That's kind of been his MO his whole career. Like he would string together five or six wins, but then when he get the top five guy or a championship level guy, he would, you know, falter. And it's not a, against a thing, a knock against him. It's just that we all have physical limitations. No matter how tough you are and how much willpower you have, there's somebody out there that has the same willpower you have and the same amount of toughness you have, but better physical attributes. So it's just nothing. It's just, you know, Donald, in my opinion, is a legend for the fact that he had the longevity in the sport. He's exciting to watch. And he's one of the pioneers that kind of like had, he was in MMA's you know, adolescent phase in the UFC especially and then to what it is now. So I really would like to see some sort of Legends League type thing that they do with boxing in a way. Like they, they the guys that are past that competitive championship level push, they can still get fights because they have a name. But then they're fighting other guys that are in that same range. Just they're also older guys. They're also legends. Because like like as much as we cringed at the whole Tito Ortiz versus Chuck Liddell three fight where it was like two old ass men getting at it, I don't mind seeing two guys on the same level if they're older getting at it. I don't mind that at all. 
but I do cringe a little bit because watching um, young hungry guys like Brian mentioned go against these legends and then straight demolish them. But it is the hurt business, bro. We we this is the fight business. This isn't like this ain't golf. You know what I mean? Like everybody that we respect and that we honor and that we give praise to, they out there fucking people up. I was I just want to see that be a little bit more competitive for the older guys. For the guys that are uh just a little bit more like seasoned because they they've they've earned the right to have that name and get these paydays still, but I don't want to see them just get fed to like you know once they're not competing for a title again they should be only doing like these um, money fights quote unquote with other big names that are also in their uh, experience level. What do y'all think about that? That'd be great, but. There's one thing I do want to talk about. I want to talk about Diego Sanchez. <laughs> I really want to talk about Diego Sanchez and his uh coach, Mr. What is his name? Fabia? Josh Fabia? Yeah, Joshua Fabia. Oh, okay. my God. Did you guys see that video of Diego hanging upside down like he's Batman? <laughs> Getting hit just- in the face by this man? With no gloves. No gloves. I I saw that video. And he's swinging, like, side to side, just getting pieced up. Hey, man, that was his Rocky moment. He was just the meat slab. Oh, my God. Come on, man. First of all. How is that training? Like, are you toughening me up? What are you doing? Like, toughening up one of the toughest men on the roster, well, was on the roster. Exactly. This dude, he's tough as fuck. What are you doing? What you, your your blood is rushing to your head? What what he's like trying to concuss him more? Like what is he doing? What is he doing? There's a reason why. Like I don't agree with literally everything Dana White does. Obviously, I don't agree with everything, but I don't think any person is all bad or all good. Dana White's amazing in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, not so much. But he's a human being. But he did Diego Sanchez a fucking favor. By cutting, he did. he did. He paid him too, right? Mm-hmm. Paid he him did. a show and win money. Yep. Show and win. Yeah, he did him a huge favor. Diego Sanchez is a legend of the sport. Same as Cerrone, he's one of the original uh, Ultimate Fighter guys. He's a legend, and at this, like, one thing that we gotta realize that this thing is it's, it's like I said, it's the hurt business, and the accumulation of damage does significant. Things to the brain, and look, Diego at this point is not going to be making sound decisions. His coach, I don't know what the fuck they're doing out there, man. Like, look, staying upside down, like you're practicing for a cage fight. You should be doing things that in, that happen in the cage, getting your muscles and your mind and your reflexes ready for that. This motherfucker, like, looked like he was studying for, a, like, like you said, like a, a Batman movie or some shit. Yo, he he knows the death touch though. This uh, master of self awareness or, or whatever school he's the leak of uh, shadows. Whatever he's doing, <laughs> bro. This dude is nuts. Like he he even said Dana White and them got assassins coming for them boys or something. I the leak of shadows. 
Yeah. Oh, who's the League of Shadows? Them? Or Dana <laughs> White and them? Who's the League of Shadows? Yeah, I don't know. Assassin. Oh. Are uh, you ever looking at the back of a $20 bill on weed? <laughs> oh, my God. Red Team Go. Red Team Go. <laughs> but seriously, this, this dude... Josh, you a favor is nuts, man. Somebody like Diego's parents or something need to step in and talk to him. Somebody, somebody that cares for this man needs to talk to him. Seriously. But, you know, this dude's bad news for you. You know, kind of like when your parents be like, don't hang out with this kid because they're a bad influence. That's what this guy is. Straight up. Everyone keeps trying. Everyone that keeps reaching out to him while his old training partners and everybody tried to be like, hey, like this ain't good for you, but he's he's got this man's back. He's he is brainwashed to a T. Like you you don't think he's like um you know romantically involved. That you? could be a possibility, bro. Are you suggesting bro. that these guys are butt buddies? I'm not hey, suggesting man. it, I'm just Throwing it out there, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying they are, but what if? The internet has already accused them of this, and Diego has fought back, saying we are not homosexuals. But he might. He might have taken too much brain damage, though, and think they're not homo. So you telling me like he can suck his dick and then say no homo, but then that makes it not gay? Possibly. Problematic. Boy, are y'all trying to do like a White Castle moment where it's like, I'm not gay. You're the one sucking my dick. <laughs> the sandwich. I need that sandwich. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just saying like, he's not in the right state of mind. Honestly, Diego said, isn't he like one of the last uh, Ultimate Fighter original season people still competing? He yep. is the last. He's the last. Yep. He's the last, the last of the Mohicans. Yeah, he was the last of that first season. Literally the last wow. of the Mohicans. Wow. He was, cra- but like to be on- to be honest, like if you watched the first season, he was crazy then. He was no, doing some like that- he was yeah yeah he he was fucking literally this dude was not like he didn't have all the potatoes in the sack dude he was fucking weird. So we it's all like know. a stepbrothers thing like. They he found this dude and like did we just become best friends? Yes, pretty much. Okay, makes sense. Right? You watch Voltron? And <laughs> oh. <laughs> all formed the head. Oh my god! But at points in his early in his career, when he was Diego Nightmare Sanchez, and he had that crazy intense walkout style and crazy intense fighting style, he was you know a fan favorite. And then when he became Diego the Dream Sanchez, and he would come out going yes, yes, yes every single time. Look, the dude. Any there's most men, I would say most. That's not. That's not fair. I would say it's fair to assume that a lot of dudes that get in the cage aren't all there. 
to be fighting in a cage for not very much money. You either are super dedicated to the sport of martial arts and you want to prove yourself against the best in the world, or you got a couple screws loose. So that's that's basically what you get. You get guys who are you get guys who are awesome and got like I'm they just like their level of martial arts is so good that they want to prove it against the best guys in the world. And they got guys who are just like, I can fuck anybody up, put me in there, coach. And it's a you get a spectrum of that. You rarely do you get I mean rarely and you obviously you get some guys like Rich Franklin, who's a school teacher, who's smart as fuck, but also can fuck people up and he's like, Alright, I can do this as well, but he is in a minority. I don't think the I think Diego Sanchez should have been out of the uh, the UFC uh, a long time ago. Like this dude, uh, this dude's been taking damage. He's kind of like the the. I mean, they kind of did him like well. Forrest Griffin kind of played his role, you know, and actually got a title out of the, you know being him. Uh, mm-hmm. Diego Sanchez was never going to get a title. Like it, it, uh, the stars didn't align for him, and he should have backed out uh, a long time ago. Like, like you said, like he wasn't all there in the first place. You know, you take quite a few hits to the head. Uh, you're not going to be the same person. I feel like the UFC used him as that person. Like he was a. This is the dude that take can take a punch. You know, and then it's like when it's all said and done. I didn't know that they paid him. Um, so like, it, you know, but the whole situation looks like weird and like, you know, like his manager's taking advantage of him, you know what I mean? So, but who's to know what's going on, but, uh, you know, like just bow out gracefully. But Diego did fight for a title. That's part. And like, look, here's the thing. Not every person that enters their mixed martial arts career is going to be champion. There's a lot of guys who are just going to be gatekeepers, bro. Are they going to be a part of somebody else's championship journey? Remember, BJ Penn kicked him in the head. Slice! He put a nice cut over his head. Diego was on fire at that point, though. He was on fire. But BJ Penn was the man at that, that moment. Yep. And like, like, like Brian and Mosey just said, it's not Brian was saying that it's for Diego. He should have quit a long time ago, which I I agree. Um, but for a lot of guys, they don't have anything else, bro. They don't have a plan B. They don't have a I, if I if this don't work out, then I'll just be a fucking accountant. Like that, he's like, no, I I'm a fighter, and if this don't work out, then I'm a fighter. I do your taxes. <laughs> you know, I do your taxes. What's up? Ain't no plan B. This is plan A, B, C, and D, and even E through F. Like we, this is what we do. Till we can't do. You're part of a fucking gym, right? You need to be a coach. You know how to fucking fight. You've been in the fucking big time. Like your fucking services are needed elsewhere to train these younger kids. Get creative. Like you know, like the UFC is not the fucking end all be all. There's tons of other organizations. There's tons of fucking gyms. Uh, you know what? B- build a business plan, open your own fucking gym. Uh, you know what I mean? If you've made it to the cream of the crop, then you have some kind of knowledge of how the business works, A, B, C, D, you know, and people want to know and people, you know what I mean? Like shit, man. You uh, this is it. Like, you know, you have something that you were good at. Other people, you know, other people want to be there. 
Share it. Facts. But what if he doesn't know? That part. Because you're speaking from your perspective of what you would be doing if you had that knowledge and that platform. He might not have that going on in his head. That's one thing that I learned is that you can't assume that everybody knows what you know. He might not be the brightest star in the sky, man. You feel me? Even though, like, like, okay, so here's a good, another good example of that. Like, we have guys who are brilliant, too. Like, guys who are amazing coaches, Trevor Whitman. We give him a lot of praise on this podcast. And there's a lot of guys, um, Faraz Zahabi, um, out there in TriStar. You got guys like that who are just brilliant. And they can get guys and work with them. And they turn, them, they turn guys who are already good on the borderline to greatness to legends with their tutelage. And then you got the other side of that spectrum where you have like Diego's coach or guys like Edmund working with Ronda Rousey trying to tell her she is the striking goddess when she's not. Uh, and, uh, you know, what <laughs> that happens. Uh, People, they like to latch on to uh, the thing about becoming famous in any area is people latch on to you because of your fame. And Ronda Rousey had that guy latched onto her because of her fame and her platform. And she trusts him. So she's listening to him tell her over and over, head movement, head movement, head movement. And you got this great stand-up game when that's not how she built her career. She built her career on judo tossing motherfuckers and arm bars. But she got her believing that, oh, you can knock people out. You can hurt girls with your hands. When she really couldn't, is not that level of competitor on the stand-up side. So when you have guys, you have people like that compounding with you have brilliant guys like Trevor Whitman working with the same group of fighters, you're going to get mixed results. So like, like, like I said, it's not necessarily that Diego wasn't talented, but it's who you latch yourself onto also can play a factor in your career. I like. Diego, I think, like I said, I think he's a legend in the sport. And a lot of guys like him, they stay too long. They stay around too long. Don Cerrone is looking like that kind of candidate. We saw Anderson Silva start to decline, lose, and then stick around and continue to lose to guys who, who wouldn't hold a candle to him in his prime. That's just a business, dude. Like, it's just a sport. You, it's it's kind of what happens, man. Like it happens to every fighter, and except of the select few who go out on top and leave and don't look back. They might they might cherry pick a few celebrity uh, fights or like a few big money fights, GSP to be mentioned. Um, but this, it just doesn't happen. Like you you don't see guys go out on top that often. You see guys stick around long too long. That's way more often than not. I mean, there's only been like what two guys that actually left on top though. In MMA, it's hard to do that. You only got GSP, Mr., uh, Habib, Habib, and Habib, and GSP, Georges. Yeah, it's the only two. That you Henry Cejudo. Cejudo. Yeah. Yep. Come on, man. He still got more to do. But he did have more to do. But he left on top. Yep, he did leave on top. Bisbing definitely le- did not leave on top. Kevin Gashalum knocked his eye loose again. Oh, yep. then my he left. bad. Then he left. <laughs> okay, you can 
in my, okay. In my opinion, though, there's only two that actually left on top. But Cejudo did leave on well, top. I, 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 will, I will agree with Mosey. And what, what I think what Mosey's saying is two guys that left a definite legacy and then left on top. Because mm-hmm. comparing Cejudo's career to those two guys mentioned is like, come on. like he, He's not touching GSP as far as like accolades, accomplishments. Or Khabib. Khabib yeah. didn't lose. He, he's not tasted defeat in the UFC. So for Khabib, that's pretty awesome to go out like undefeated and have that dominant reign that he did have. And GSP was, um, while he was competing, was one of the best in his division and one of the best pound for pound. He also came back to fight at a higher weight class to beat the said Michael Bisbing for the middleweight title when he was a career welterweight, a career 170-pound fighter. He beat a guy who was a natural 185-pound fighter who also competed at 205 pounds, if you remember his ultimate fighter career. So GSP, did it. I think he did it probably the best because he had more title defenses, and like I said, he won multiple belts. Whereas Khabib, he only you know competed at 155. And he defended the belt, what, four times? He smashed everybody, though. Yes, he did. And he probably would continue to smash everybody. Can we count John Jones as leaving on top two? Because, I mean, when does he fight? Ever? Never? You know what? I knew knew this would happen. I I knew this would happen, though, Mark. I knew that the Francis-John Jones fight would probably not happen immediately when they started talking about the money part of it. And Derek Lewis has been on the tear lately. He's going to get that fight. Obviously, he, he already he literally tried, like, I'll do it for less. And soon as he said that, I'm like, that's, that's going to be the fight to make. That's going to happen. We have proof on this podcast, right, when John Jones said his price. I was just like, nope, it's no longer going to happen. I was like, he's not getting that fight. I was like, I don't care what anyone thinks. He ain't getting it. But he did just leave his old uh, his management company, so that might have something to do with it. It does. Look, it's a, it's a big deal because John is, you just, like you said, you, when you ask the question whether or not John fits in that category of guys going out on top, right, Mark? Because he... Hasn't he has not technically lost in the UFC? He got the one DQ to Matt Hamill. Other than that, he's unbeaten. And impressively, the resume that he has is untouched by anybody else we just mentioned. He beat not only did he beat everybody that was put in front of him, but he beat a lot of former champions, a lot of legends in the sport as well. So it wasn't like his his list of names. Is all other Hall of Fame type names that he's beaten, and in early in his career, it was he beat him in spectacular fashion. He was, it was ridiculous. Now, when it comes to Jones fighting for the in the heavyweight division, he's I don't think he's gonna take a quote unquote warm up fight. I don't, and he's gonna try to get like obviously the big payday that comes with fighting Francis. And if Francis gets it done against um, Derek Lewis, which, I mean, look, I'm not guaranteeing him that fight, man. Derek Lewis is tough as fuck. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a stand-up war. And that's the one thing Derek 
thrives at. Now, will Francis use his newly found wrestling skills to, to neutralize that? We we will see. However, like Derek is tough, and he has that knockout power all fight long from round one to round five. So he's never out of any fight. Um, if he's if, if if Derek's able, I mean not Derek. I'm sorry. If Francis is able to like move past it, defend this title. Now we're talking about a, um, who else is there left? A steepy rematch? No, no, no. They got the serial, uh, serial gun. Okay, Volkov fight. Mm-hmm. That's true. They're definitely fighting for a contendership spot. That's in a few weeks. Very true. I heard, I heard this whisper, but it, I think it, like I said before, I don't think it, it makes sense to me. But I'll, I'll just put it out there and then see what you guys think. What do you think about Stipe versus Jones? Excellent. It's a great fight. I think it should be done. I love it. Have that on probably, the same card. Uh, I think you probably want to build that fight, though. Kind of. Uh, I mean, that would be kind of what you want to want to build to. But like, like you said, you did, you don't think Jones would uh would would pick a warm up fight? But like, literally, you need a warm up fight. You're going to a different. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I think uh that's a tall order for your first fight out of two hundred five. That would be a tall order. It would be an awesome fight. It would be fucking great. But um man dude i don't i I don't think uh i don't think jones is as invincible as he thinks he is uh especially going up to heavyweight well as we saw in jacksonville anybody can get knocked out because i never thought that we'd see jorge masvidal get knocked out by kamaru uzman you know i mean like that's it's that's that's what it is, bro. You got four ounce gloves, so you Francis Ngannou is knocking out everybody he fights. Everybody, not everybody. He not didn't knock out Derek Lewis. Exactly. <laughs> but he also didn't throw many punches against Derek Lewis either. That fight was just uh, that was know, kind man. of slow. You know, it was like it's it, each one of them is just setting up for that one hitter quitter. Right, so now they both uh, they both uh, amass a little bit more knowledge of, of of different aspects of the game. So this this fight's going to be a lot different. I hope that they showcase what they've learned and what they've added to their repertoire. And I hope it's a a, a more exciting fucking fight. To to be honest, the the last fight was kind of like you know they're just you know trying to avoid that one shot. So it's, they were both really timid, kind of. You know what I mean? I think this time around, Francis is gonna. Take it to him. I agree. Um, he might even take him down. Yeah, I agree. I agree with Mosey on that one. Uh, to to add to what Brian said, they, uh, there were some crazy circumstances in that fight too. Like Derek Lewis had like back issues, and he was he was kind of injured, so he couldn't really do much. And then Francis was injured mentally after getting fucked up by Stipe the first time and being dominated the way he was. So. Um, I do expect a much different fight than the first one. I mean, kind of. It has to be different. It has to be. If they throw punches, it's different. They didn't do anything for the whole fucking fight. So if they just come out and try to hit each other, 
it's going to be different. However, I agree with Mosey. I think that Francis is evolving, bro. Like, he's not, not only is he scary right now, that motherfucker's getting better. So you think he's, uh, like, evolving in the Charizard or Blastoise or Venusaur? Look, dog, I, w- I guess I'll have to go Charizard because he's, like, lighting motherfuckers on fire. When he did the, when he did the Stipe, it was, god damn, bro. That was nasty. But, Mark. but Derek Lewis got the power of Popeyes behind him now. Louisiana fast. He got the power of Popeyes, bro. Hey, Mark, do you feel Derek Lewis is improving any? Is he or is he just the same game plan? Oh no, he's improving. Like Derek Lewis has improved substantially since that first fight. Um, but has he improved as much as Francis? I don't think so. Francis has jumped up two, three levels where Derek Lewis probably jumped up like one and a half. His hand speed's better, his cardio's better, his movement's better, but Francis has just I don't know. He 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 actually learned things that I didn't think he could learn that quickly. <laughs> Honestly. Man, that when he like look, the the what he showed again, what Francis showed in the wrestling game versus Stipe, you you don't even get that from like guys who are seasoned wrestlers. That shit was fucking mm-hmm. impressive. Um, and the quite answer Brian's question: Did Derek improve? Um, I think marginally, like he, he improved a little bit. But the, the, the thing is, like one thing that Derek has going for him is his ability to put your lights out, and he can that that's if he can stay on the feet, stay on his feet. He's always dangerous. In his losses, it's always been the guys who can keep him off his feet and keep him backpedaled. There's not a lot of guys that can do that at heavyweight, though. I mean, DC did it. Um, there's a, I mean, there's obviously he got other L's on his credit, so it is, it's, it's doable. However, the thing about Derek is even against top-flight competition, if, you, if, he's still, if he's not out of the fight... You can get knocked out, no matter how far ahead the scorecards he you you have him, or how, how how beat up or hurt he is. That motherfucker can put your lights out. Derek is like one of the only guys that I in the heavyweight division for real that I think can knock Francis out because Francis has been hit. Stipe has power. You've seen Stipe finish dudes on their on his back foot, like retreating and knock guys out. He can get Francis square twice. I've seen him hit Francis square, and this, and he didn't fucking budge. I don't even uh, Francis like he has a he has a granite fucking chin, bro. Like he got no no no. no. The first fight, he, he, Francis was gassed. The first fight, he was gassed in the first round, and Stipe hit this motherfucker with the kitchen sink and couldn't finish him. Um, just think about that. Like how many do you know get gassed in the first and survive to decision? I can't think of that. I can't think of anybody. Like, so, so, so here's Frankie my thing. Right, used so to. Who's that? All in agreement. Frankie Edgar. Oh, but Edgar don't gas. Edgar has a gas. Edgar don't get just. I mean, fucking goes. Francis was fucking gassed after that first round. Like he was walking. <laughs> like he was like flat-footed and throwing arm punches. And Stipe was like just tagging this motherfucker, and he couldn't couldn't put him away. Derek 
can knock out a horse. Yo, Manimal, go ahead. Say what you was going to say. I forget. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, so no. All right. So we all agree. We all agree that Nganu is, is on the higher uh, echelon, right? So what, what, is, what should be Derek's game plan coming in to win? What you know what I mean? So like, okay, we all agree that like that that we feel like it, it's it's more of like uh, Derek Lewis is an underdog. But what should be the game plan? What should be the game plan for him coming in? Throw some leg kicks. If I were Derek Lewis' coach, I would tr- I would tell Derek Lewis to take his right hand and place it violently on Francis' chin and roll the dice, see what happens. Because I mean, he's not going to get any better at wrestling or jujitsu or any shit like that to try to be a, play a tactical game in a few weeks. I mean, in a few months. And Derek, he is ace in the hole is his power. So I would say like, just, I would try to get him to get into a firefight and then see who comes out on top. I, I disagree with the firefight part. Derek Luce's main objective with every fight that he's been in has been read the opponent and find that counter shot. And that's what he needs to do. Francis gets really wild a lot of times. He does not have technical striking skills. He is a wild power puncher. And Derek Lewis just needs to do what he does, survive and wait for that big opening where he can get that uppercut or that right hand over the top and just knock him out. That's his, that's his game plan every time, and that's what he needs to do. He does uh, the Homer Simpson strategy very well, if you think about it. Pretty much. You remember, you remember Travis Brown kicked him really hard in his stomach, right? Yep. And what did he say? He had to go take a shit. <laughs> That's yeah. why he was hurt. Got a boo-boo. <laughs> and then Vol- Volkov was dogging him, and then he just killed him in the fifth round. He said his balls was hot. You get what I'm saying? Like He does the Homer Simpson strategy very well. The thing is, the only problem with that strategy against Francis is... Mm-hmm. I mean, look, say what you will about his technique. Say what you will about his striking prowess. But goddamn, when he, he, he can miss four, but if he lands one, that he puts everybody away. Like, everybody. So that's the thing that I, I worry the most about playing a technical strategy against a guy like that. Because when you play, if, you're, if, if Derek Lewis was a slick, movement kind of guy where he can set up openings like whip punish those whiffs then i'll be like oh yeah play the slip and rip game yeah like like he's not floyd mayweather he's not uh oscar de la hoya he's not a guy like andre ward that's not what Derek lewis is while he is patient and he's able to absorb damage and then find a counter that doesn't work against francis Playing the absorb game and then like try to come back. I don't think that's a good strategy, dog. Yeah, but going right into a firefight, you're just getting beat up and taking all that damage right off the bat. And I you can't can't handle that either. And Derek Lewis doesn't get enough credit for his speed. Oh no, he he's he's really fast. He's fast, but he's not slick. He gets hit a lot. He gets hit a lot. He's not nimble, like here, like oh, I'm left or right. Well, where am I going now? Right. 
No. You know what I mean? So like, but it, but like on the other end, Francis, although very dangerous and nobody can really mess with him in the USA, I feel like we all agree that he is number one. He is the champion, right? But uh, he isn't optimal, you know, straight up. If Derek Lewis, like the game plan for him should be throw a couple of these gut shots. I mean, right, one or two or three of those really good gut shots will set up the perfect headshot. He could totally knock this dude out in the first fucking round without having to play any of the slick games or left or rights, right? Just fucking punch him in the gut, watch a pork chop fall out his ass, and then fucking knock him out. Bro, I, 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 that's why I think the firefight idea is a good idea. Because Derek Lewis has the power to knock anybody out. Um, and you're going to have to, like my grandpappy used to always say, you got to bring ass to get ass. And if Derek Derek's the kind of guy to like if you if you he can absorb damage, but he can also knock people out. Francis we know can knock motherfuckers out. You're not gonna be able to bo- outbox. I don't think Derek is gonna be able to straight up outbox and point fight against Francis. However, if Derek lands his right hand on anybody, on any man, it's like it's night night. And I think he can. He that's his only. That's his. That's the only path to victory that I see him having versus Francis is getting him to swing wild, maybe like and then clip him. Because other than that, like I don't standing back and waiting for Derek. I don't think so. I'm standing back and waiting for Francis. I don't know, dog. I don't want to be the nail to that hammer. <laughs> Yo, you guys ready to talk about this upcoming pay per view? I think Let's we should. Let's do it. Because we veered off with uh, some heavyweight stuff. We love the heavyweights on this podcast. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah, this uh, upcoming pay-per-view got the vacant lightweight title on the line. But before all that, sure. let's talk about these prelims. Let's talk about it, man. Um, you see anything that you love? Oh, yes, definitely. I see this one person that I truly adore. This uh, Shevchenko lady. Yeah. An- Antonina? Antonia? Uh, oh, oh, I said her name wrong. She's going to uh, she gonna find be you, mad bro. at me. She's fighting she uh, KGB, uh, Andrea Lee. Ooh, it's That's number good. eleven versus number twelve. So we got um, sister Shevchenko going against um, Andrea Lee, huh? Yep. Andrea um, Lee, looked, she looked really good um, in her last outing too. I was impressed. Shevchenko looked good too, though. Yeah, she did. That is on the prelims, so I hope it's a good fight. I'm sure. I'm sure it will be. I, I like both. I like. Uh, I like. I like both fighters for sure. Um, Andrea Lee could be a title contender. She was, um, then she lost, then she wins, she loses. She's on that roller coaster ride. She, but she has. A, she has a skill set to be a title contender. And t- I don't know if Antonia. Antonia's not gonna fight her sister. They're in the same division. Nah, that she lost to. Uh... The girl that got bopped by her sister, like Chukagian? immediately right after, it was like a revenge fight. Chukagian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Ochigangian's a veteran. Let's she's fighting she's... also on this card as well. Yeah, she's on the early prelims. No, Chukagian's uh main card. Oh, she's on main card? Good, because yeah. that would have been like insult <laughs> to her. We, we did lose uh one fight on there. We lost the Diaz and Leon Edwards fight. Yeah. That's but we'll fair. get to that. We'll get to that. The Nick? Nate, no, Nate, yeah, Nick, Nick Diaz. Then, oh, Nate Diaz, sorry. Then after that, you got uh, Lando Venata against Mike Grundy. Wait, he failed the test, right? Who? Well, what happened with Nate? Or we get uh, to that? It's an injury. Undisclosed injury. Yeah. yeah. But it couldn't have been too bad. They only pushed it back, like, what, uh, a couple weeks, a month? It's, it's pushed back to the next pay-per-view. Yeah. It made that pay-per-view even better. Mm-hmm. So, Nick, is Nick coming back? Nobody yes. knows. They're looking for the right fight for him. But he said he's focusing on his brother's fight right now, first. Uh, so, according to Rumor Mill, like the rumblings or whatever, Nick, Nick said he wanted a fight, but Dana said in talking to him, he does not sound like a guy who wants to fight. Bro, Dana always says some crazy stuff, bro. He's yeah, a man that makes, he's a man that books. Them. Well, he's one of the guys that books the fights, though. Remember, Connor's never fighting again. <laughs> I also remember we'll never have a women's division. Exactly. I, I just or John Jones will never headline a pay per view. Yeah. Oh, I just mentioned that uh, Donald Cerrone was talking like he didn't want to fight, and but that's their that's their main man right there because he's like the punching bag. He's the dude. He's the new Diego. Watch. <laughs> they're they're trying to book another fight for him, aren't they? Well, yeah. Cerrone said he didn't he want got to go one out. more. Yeah, Cerrone said himself that he didn't want to go out like that. He's got a lightweight title or not a lightweight title, but a lightweight fight in his future against who? I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's what goes through all fighters' minds on the rail. Like, I don't want to go out like that. Give me another one. I don't want to go out that. Give me another. One. <laughs> pretty much. Four piece in a biscuit. <laughs> yeah, in the prelims, we also got uh, Jacare against Andre Muniz. I don't know too much about this Muniz, guys, but do you? Do you? Not really. But I was actually surprised because I didn't even know this fight was on there. I thought Jacare was done, to be honest. I, I thought he silently retired. retired. Yeah, I thought, yeah, he, I thought retired. he silently retired. But uh, here he is. <laughs> yeah, I really thought he retired. And then uh, Lando Venada against Mike Grundy. I don't even know who Mike Grundy is. It's it's pretty bad. Like, I don't know none of these other guys. And he's twelve and the two. Name so Mike obviously Grundy good. Sounds... Mike Grundy. I I, when I hear Grundy, I think of uh, Solomon Grundy from the comic books and shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. You know what I'm saying? The dude that be <laughs> yeah. singing the song and shit. Well, he's beating your ass, but I don't think he does it. Uh, I don't know who this guy is. He's had two fights in the UFC, one knockout win and a decision lost to two people I've never heard of. Precisely. So. That's why he's on the prelims. But is I mean, ranked? Landau He's not ranked. Is... He's not ranked, right? No, neither of them are ranked. Okay. And those, are the only, those are the only prelims that send out to you. What about uh, the main event? We're moving into the 
the main card now. Matt Schnell against Rogerio Bontorin. He's the number nine Bantamweight. Yo, am I missing, like, out on these Bantamweight fights or something? Like, seriously. Because I did no. not know who these these guys are right now. Like, where did they come from? I heard of Matt Schnell. Don't get me wrong. But this dude right here? Who is he? Oh, they got it labeled wrong. He's a flyweight. <laughs> oh, they got it labeled Maybe wrong. Maybe he's moving up. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who? The number nine flyweight is fighting. Oh, no. UFC just messed up. It should be flyweight. It's saying bantamweight on the website right now. They got it all messed up. Either way, that's good for the flyweight division to be moving forward. Get some more contenders going. Yeah. I honestly don't know. I can't really call this one. I'm just going to say I hope it's an exciting fight. I hope everything goes well for both fighters. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, moving on into the the next fight on the main card. We got Shane Burgos. This dude got some hands, some heavy hands against a veteran. Uh, a master of the spin moves, Edson Barbosa. This fight Ooh. right here, woo, woo. It should not be. Fight. It should not be lackluster at all. If it is, I'd be shocked. The only way it's lackluster is Shane Burgos just takes down Barbosa because he can't handle the heat, <laughs> which is a possibility. It is a possibility, but it's a very big possibility. That boy's good, but Barbosa <laughs> has good takedown defense. His takedown defense is uh very suspect. Ah, uh, he did good except against like top top wrestlers. I'm just hoping he comes through with some some good kicks. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. You you notice like with him, his kicks are fantastic, but his hands, not so much, right? Mm-mm. Like when it comes to boxing, it's not there. When he does like spin kicks, leg kicks, whatever kicks, they're there. But his hands, I just don't he's know. He's spot man. on with the spacing. He's spot on with the spacing when it does come to kicks. Early on in his career, though, he was pretty. He was pretty surgical with the hands. I thought. Not not so much lately. His hands is not there for his boxing. But his kicks, though. Ask Kevin Lee about his kicks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he had Kevin Lee doing the fucking honky tonk dance. Kevin Lee was still able to win that fight, though. Exactly. He came back and he scooped him. Like, like, oh shit! He did it. Oh, you kicking, kicking? Okay, okay, okay. That's how you want to do me? Okay. He said, "I'm gonna be what you want. I'm gonna be what you want." Exactly. (laughs) That's how you gonna do me? That's how you gonna do me? Bro, he had Kevin Lee doing the motherfucking uptown shuffle. <laughs> that Bambi legs, everything. Uh, Barbosa, he's he's the underdog in this fight too. He is. I mean, I understand he's in a uh, new division. Ooh, that's gonna be a good one. What's the fact that he's ranked in a new division? Period. Yeah. Without even fighting yet. 
Uh, I think he fought once so far. Did at he fight once in this division? I think he fought once at Featherweight so far. Yeah, he did. I just don't remember exactly who he fought. Let me think back. It was. I think he he had a good. He had a contender his first fight. Actually, he fought twice in this division, I believe. Twice. He Where fought was Dan Ige. Oh, Ig. Split decision, and then he fought uh, Amir Khani, and he won that decision. And you know what's crazy? It's it's amazing to me how he made weight. I think he's a big because, dude. He, but I think he is a big guy. But he's also he he's the way the kind of big quote unquote that he is. He's like heavily muscled. It's, it seems to be easier for those guys who have a lot of muscle to cut more weight. And the fact that he was able to get down to forty five is pretty impressive. Cause he didn't look like, like on death. Like you know how Connor looked at forty five. Like Connor looked like a fuck, like fucking Skeletor. Yeah, yeah. The prize of all food. Yeah, you you sacrifice everything else before you do muscle mass. You'll lose everything else before muscle mass. So I feel going down in in weight is kind of beneficial than rather than just going up. Because then going up. You're not really, you don't really have to do much, but going down, uh, that's when you start burning like all the fat, the non essential shit before you lose muscle mass. Muscle mass is probably the last thing you lose. Well, I think, um, in this, or in this case for sure, and in most cases with guys who are heavily muscled, you can cut muscles just carry more water, so you can cut more straight water when you have a a guy that's heavily muscled. As opposed to a guy that has a softer body that isn't as heavily muscled, they don't got much to pull from. Um, and as far as going down or going up, we've seen it go both ways. We've seen guys who go up and look impressive and look even more impressive, Robert Whitaker, to be an example of that, than they did at a lighter weight. And Calvin is another example of that, where Calvin was good at 170, but I think he's even better at 185. And... um. Look, there's been obviously there's guys who, you know, make that jump up and get bodied like Chris Weidman did when he went from 85 to 205. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's a case by case basis. But if you're jacked like Yoel Romero, you can see a guy like Yoel Romero go from whatever the fuck he weighs, he's probably like 230, 240, and get to 185 because he's so jacked, he can just cut more water. My oh. friend, my friend, just stop reading your water, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and you get there, my friend. Just easy as that, my friend. The next fight we got is uh, Caitlin Chukagian against Vivian Arejo. I don't know too much about her. But I do know Caitlin Chukagian. Do you guys know this Vivian woman? I, I do not. I think I do, but I can't. I might be confusing her with somebody else, so I'm checking right now. <clears throat> no, I was thinking. I was thinking somebody else because I was thinking she was training with Alpha Male, but she is not. 
She yeah, I'm does not have, sure who she is. She does have some decent wins on her record, though. I mean, Roxanne Montefiore, she's a contender-ish type person. She and beat uh, Della Rosa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, well, she lost to Jessica I, though. Decision. I think, if I remember correctly, that is the fight that Jessica I got the title shot off of, though. Mm. Then again, this division, though, you win, like, one or two, you're facing the mm. demon. <laughs> she also has a win over Alexa Davis, which obviously was towards the end of her career. If she's not fighting anymore, I don't think she is. Uh, she's pretty but... short, too. Wow. Yeah. I'm going with uh, Caitlin Chukagian. Chukagian is a veteran of the game, and she is still one of the staple female fighters, period. She's just one of those that can't break out into that next level. There's always that one champion in their way. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, we'll move on to to the co-main event. I know, Mark, you want to take off on this one. Your main man, your main man, Tony Ferguson against Benil Dariush. Wait a minute. I got one thing, one question. Did you see that press conference the other day? Yes, I did. Where Tony Ferguson told Chandler, you got the Dana White privilege. Yes. (laughs) Yo, when he said that, I was like, oh, my God. Actually, the whole press conference, Tony was off the chain. He was off the chain, the whole press conference. On both but, ends of that chain. Yes, he was He, he was, was crazy. crazy. He crazy. He was, uh, what did he say, CSO? That's what he said, right? That's what, that's what he was talking about. I forgot what he, chief security officer. Yeah, I, chief I, thought security that, officer. I thought that shit meant champ shit only. Honestly, I thought <laughs> that's what it meant. For him, <laughs> For probably. That's what I thought it meant. Like, because Tony Ferguson, I could have swore he said that before, but he might just be saying CSO with a whole bunch of different meanings. Well, championship only is Tony Ferguson's thing. Yeah, he but says either way, all the time. Either way, man, I'll let you uh, take off with this one. This is going to be a barn burner of a fight. Neither of these guys are going to back down, and it's going to go crazy. I mean, Tony Ferguson's going to come forward and he has something to prove and I would not want to be on the other end of that. Now, Benny over here, as I keep hearing him being called, (laughs) he is the type of fighter that is calm, collected, doesn't care what's coming at him, and he is game for anything and he is on the uprise right now. So it's going to be... A legit barn burner of a fight, and it's going to be crazy. I can't wait for this fight. I want to see what Tony's going to do with the crowd. I want to see, even though in that press conference he said that he doesn't care about the crowd and he just zones out and it's only in the cage, I think he does feed off the crowd. I think that energy just, he spirit bombs that shit or something. I don't fucking know. He's got it, though. And I want to see what happens. This is a turning point in his career. Yeah, the last two fights, you can kind of, you can kind of like give him a pass, but this is make or break for him. Mm-hmm. Especially against this dude, he, and Darius or Darius is the the favorite in this one. 
Just because Tony's he? been on that slide. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a uh, plus. Tony's a uh, plus what one twenty? I don't give a fuck what kind of slide they give Tony, man. Like, like if you just look at this, you look at this man's fucking highlight reel, man. Like, I mean, lightning strikes fifty times in a row, almost. Like, this dude is fucking sick, man. Like, I don't know who this other guy is, so I can't really comment on how I feel the fight is gonna. Um, but I feel uh the way Kukui. If you want to talk about nicknames, the, uh, the boogeyman, yeah, the, the boogeyman. Yeah, that's pretty nasty, right there. <clears throat> but um. Yeah, this dude. This dude is a tactician. Um, I'm just just looking at his highlight reel alone. I feel like he'll add a few more of those to his resume. I don't know if it'll be this one. I'll watch it and we'll talk about it on the next podcast. The thing about Barryush though, right now he's on a solid streak right now. But I think Tony's gonna finish this guy straight up. I really do. Just because who he's been training with and his whole mentality with everything going forward now. Training with that wild card? He's uh, he was training with Freddie Roach, GSP. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it, and these two losses, I think they actually woke him up and made him realize, look, man, you got to do something different. Also, if you, look, if you look at the training camp, he uh he hasn't been talking about his side businesses as much this time, so maybe he refocused a little bit. I honestly think that the big difference though is going to be both of these guys are hittable. They're mm-hmm. very hittable. Like Tony, mm-hmm. Tony takes a lot of shots that he should never have been taken, and that's what his downfall with Gaethje was. But uh, Benny, he's the same. He takes a lot of shots, but he's calm and he can he can give it right back. So if Freddie Roach does his thing and gets Tony to actually start moving his head like he should and he used to a long, long time ago, you know, then I think Tony's got this in the bag. I think them elbows are going to be cutting up Darn or Benny all night. He, he, could also- he might go for a takedown. Do the ankle pick. Do so- a roll. It could it could also backfire because, you know, once you start, you know, this is I love I love the whole boxing aspect, you know, punches and bunches. Freddie Roche, teach, you know what I mean? But then when you get lured into a, a boxing match, it's just, it could just be one hit or quitter. You know what I mean? So, like, mm-hmm. it, it's all it's all good how you switch it in and out. But um, I love punches and bunches. But when when it becomes a stand up game and then you start, like you said, uh, like Mark said before, uh, you sometimes these dudes take way too many hits, <laughs> uh, especially uh, Kukui as of lately. Mm-hmm. Not only that, he I wonder how his arm healed up. It's probably healed by now. But man, he was in a deep arm bar from the guy fighting for the title later on in the card i will not question his healing abilities after that blown out knee and come back and be- beating pettis the way that he did <laughs> oh and he uh no one should have healed cord. that quick when he tripped <laughs> over the cord he even said something about that he said another cameraman tripped over a cord <laughs> at the press conference yeah he was nuts uh, he was going in at the press conference he said nobody wanted to fight him except for the uh the dude next to him. 
Charles. He was going <laughs> off at the uh, press conference, like straight up. But <laughs> I will say it again. When he said to Chandler, you got the Dana White privilege. I was like, oh, my God. He's nuts. Bro, that was the soundbite of the fucking year. Said that, that was nuts. Like, I don't know what what he was on or what. That was crazy. Life, man. That was crazy. Oh, I yeah. give him that oh, one. Tony Ferguson has, has moments of brilliance, bro. Like, where he'll just say some shit that you just like, God damn. Tony, and Tony's another one who has unconventional training methods who, uh, like, you know what I mean? He'll do shit that, like, you're like, why? But unlike Diego, Tony is, uh, he's more physically gifted. And I think that Oliveira is a better version of Tony Ferguson. And that's why I'm, I'm picking Oliveira versus over Chandler. I think oh, we're moving into that one. Okay. Well, I'm I'm gonna go we'll go right into it because like I I really think that Chandler gets kind of a little bit of flack from fans because they're like you know they don't believe that. Well, some people like uh, that there are veterans too don't believe that he deserves a spot. It's not his fault. Look, the the guy who deserves a spot turned it down. The guy that's correct. Deserves the the fight is fighting for more money. Dustin Poirier should have been the guy, and he there's nobody else to me. Gaethje just lost. Gaethje just lost to the to the to Khabib. Poirier beat Connor. Poirier also um, <clears throat> lost to Khabib, but there's nobody else that's deserving of a title spot besides Charlie Oliveira. Like he definitely deserves it. Oh no, uh, he he was definitely in the the field like for it, right? Like he for to me he's the number one guy. Guy B or one A was Poirier. Poirier said nah. So then like that's that it leaves you with who 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 would you put in that spot? I mean you can make an argument for Gaethje given that okay he only lost to Habib. Yep. So you can make an argument for Gaethje. However, um. I think it's fine it's because it's vacant to give it to Chandler. I think it's fine. Um, He's still the odd man out, though. Well, you look, look at the whole thing. He is. I mean, in all honesty, though, a lot of the people that are saying that Chandler doesn't deserve it doesn't know Chandler's history in Bellator and how much of a killer he was before he was even in the UFC. And the simple fact that he came in with one of the hardest fights for him. He had everything against him against in Dan Hooker. And he fucking achieved the un- impossible. Yeah, I had Hooker in winning that, that one. So did I. Yeah. So the, Dan Hooker should have been able to use that range and keep him on the outside and pick him apart all night long. But no, nope. he nope. said, no, no. I'm going to jump right into your face and knock you the fuck out. So he 100% deserves this title shot. Yeah, and like you said, after after uh, Charles, all you have is Gaethje who just lost, uh, Tony Ferguson who's on a two fight losing streak right now, Conor McGregor who I don't know how he's number six in the lightweight division, but he is, and then Dos Anjos who's been fighting in welterweight more than he's been fighting in lightweight. So, yep. 
I don't see Gaethje fighting Dos Anjos. Gaethje's going to end up fighting the loser of uh, this fight, I think. If you look at um, the other side of that, right? Like, I'm, I... The, the 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 casual fans and the consensus is that UFC is the best organization and that everybody else is kind of like B tier. So if you're gonna say that get that Chandler deserves a shot because he dominated B tier, it's kind of unfair for the guys who were in the UFC already. I don't get I don't think that his credentials outside of the UFC give him um any credit. Well, not, I was to give him the pass to be the champion. But what I do like that you, say, what you said is like how impressed he looked against Dan Hooker. Because Dan Hooker coming into that fight was a fringe top five guy. And he dismantled Dan Hooker. So whatever stock Michael Chandler had, that shit went, it went all the way exactly. up. Exactly. Yeah, if um, you look at it, Dan Hooker had a, a five round war with Poirier. Yep. Mm-hmm. And this dude comes in here and just beats him in the first round like arched. Like, what's up? He's like, he's yeah. like, hey, is there no one else? Is there no one else? And, he, and to be fair, if you go to like the lineage of the lightweight championship, Khabib won that shit from fucking Al Iaquinta, bro. It's not his fault. Not, not his, his fault. fault yes. Not his fault. But Al Quinta was not the best lightweight in the world. It's not his fault. At the time, he was the best in the UFC. He no. was not. He was not. He was replacement. He was a uh, Plan C. Yep, he was a replacement. Of they a were replacement. Like, he was a replacement of a replacement. Like, like, is anybody can we get somebody to fill this shit? And he's like, I'll do it because it went from Tony tripping over the uh, camera cord. Right and, and destroying his leg, to mm-hmm. Holloway getting told by the doctors, "Yo, you don't look good. You can't fight." Yeah, yeah. To Al, literally. Does the kicker does the kicker get a Super Bowl ring when if the team wins? Does he? Does this <laughs> motherfucker get to keep that belt on his wall for the rest of his life? The backup of the backup. You're right. The, uh, with that, bro. No, no. No, no, here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that um, Al Iaquinta, had he won the title, not would not be champion. I'm just saying if Al Iaquinta can compete for the fucking lightweight title, Michael and Chandler damn sure can. Right. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, it was for the uh, uh, interim, right? That was for the interim, but it was for the vacant because Connor left. Vacant because Connor left. It was for a vacant belt. Situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because Khabib, yeah, it was vacant, and that's why I was like, "Damn!" Like, if fucking uh, Chandler, if people were saying like Chandler doesn't deserve it, I'm like, did Al Iaquinta? Because like, like Chandler is not the guy here. Chandler is to me the guy is Charlie Oliveira. He deserves it. He's the guy to beat. Um, and I would be impressed if Michael Chandler can beat him. I think the the uncrowned king of lightweight is Charlie Oliveira in my mind. The only thing with him, oh, man, is he always King gets there and messes up every time. Oliveira? Yep. Yeah. Well, he has some impressive wins, though. Like, the, some of the guys he's beaten, he's beaten some championship-level fighters, Tony Ferguson included, so. 
He's on oh, the tear right now. Excuse me. I, I, like, yo, Chandler is not a man without blemish. We've seen him lose even in the B tier, so they say. Mm-hmm. You want you want you want some MMA math real quick? Ooh, hit me with it. Oliveira beat uh, Will Brooks by submission, and Will Brooks, <laughs> if I remember correctly, beat my guy uh, Chandler. Yeah, but exactly. You know how we do on this podcast with MMA math. Will Brooks is still one of the, the, the scars on me right now because I had so much faith in that man coming into the UFC. You're not the only and one. And he just, he just disappointed me so badly and has not been a name since. Well, if you, if you look at Oliveira's career, though, he's been in the UFC for how long? For forever. Come on, man. I'm, I'm still scrolling right now, bro. <laughs> 2010? 11 years? How old is he right now? That's Chandler career, literally man. said on the press conference that this man has been in the UFC as long as he's been fighting. That man has some he's 31, ash 31, bro. 31, bro. He's been fighting in the <laughs> yeah, UFC since ashen. he's 20. He's fought right. so many good people. Experience. He's, one of, the side. he's one of those people that grew up in the UFC. He cost some L's against a lot of good people, though. Yes, he did. But that's what I mean. He, like, and he cost some, some dubs against some good people, too, though. Here's, here's one thing I will say, and this is why uh, I think we give way too much credit and way too much... Um, I guess we give way too much prestige to the idea of being undefeated when it comes to a champion. I think that while it matters... While it's if, if you're literally starching everybody, you're making and you're making everybody look like they're not on your level. That's good, obviously. That's that's awesome. But it's those guys who are the the guys who are the toughest are sometimes the guys who've been through that fire and been through that adversity of being able to lose and learning from those losses and being able to champion themselves coming back. And we see that more in MMA than we do in other sports because in most sports, once you lose that aura of you can't, you can be beaten, people stop, stop caring. They're like, ah, well, you, you lost to that guy or you lost to that guy, you know. Um, but one, one area where I would say I saw a guy, you know, take an L but come back to be amazing, even in that kind of situation, was a guy like, um, this is not MMA related, obviously. This is more about boxing. But Canelo Alvarez. Canelo, after um, the Mayweather fight, he's a different guy in a good way. Like, Canelo is not easy to hit now. And he's also a phenomenal boxer on top of that. So I think sometimes you think somebody like Charlie Alvarez, when you think either your level or maybe better, sometimes that shit rubs off. And you get a little bit of like what that guy had. So, like, you know, if that guy's really good, you get a little bit better. Iron sharpens iron. And sometimes you take an L in that process. But I like this I like this incarnation of Charlie Oliveira. I think this is a championship-level fighter. I think this guy is the new lightweight champion. He was fighting at featherweight for a while. Maybe the weight cut was hurting him more than it should have. That could be. I like how we're going to hit with body shots that are crippling. Like body yeah. shots featherweight were killing Charlie. He's also not now, though. 
he's not a big guy, he's not heavily muscled guy. So for him, cutting weight is probably hard. It's probably pretty tough. I think 185 is definitely a better uh, weight division for him. And I think he's just now coming into his prime. Yes, he has 38 fights on his record, but he's just now coming into his prime. What is he, 31? Yeah. 31 years old. The athletic prime is in the area. Like 29 or 33. That's when all the greats were at. Yeah. Where? Yeah, already. Out for him, my boy. Right. Young man, America tops. Yeah, he's like like um those two guys you mentioned. Well, Glover, he's having a resurgence, but he's definitely not in his prime. Um, and uh, Grammy Couture, he's kind of in that similar mode as like Bernard Hopkins, where he just started so late that he don't have the miles that guys his age have. Because those guys that we're talking about, they got the like Charlie Oliveira got the miles. He started Bro, yeah. running, you know what yeah. I mean. So he got the, he got to go through. He got city miles too. He went, he Bro. went, he had a fucking, <laughs> <laughs> he got a fucking murderous row of names that he fought. He might retire by thirty six or something. You know um, what I mean? That I would be he got some miles, bro. Yeah. Well, you never that know. Be, Look well, at Aldo. Well, Aldo, but the difference is Aldo was the nail, the hammer for most of that. Yeah. For most of the time, he wasn't. He had highway miles. Like he was beating people's ass for most of his time as a young man. He didn't start taking L's till later. Till his he, hiatus. What's that? Until his hiatus. Hiatus. Until until uh, until he took that uh, long ass break. Aldo. Uh, yeah. When did he start losing? After he came back. Uh, he kept getting he, injured. Uh, like every yeah, time before he had a fight, like he, he had, had a rib injury, fight, rib injury. He he fight did, like he once a year. Not, not um anything notable though. Like because there's guys who have much, who had much longer layoffs. Dominic like, Cruz. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he had like maybe like months. He would fight still every year. No, once he every had, year. He didn't have a. Uh, he didn't have like a year or two layoff. He had like a year, I think, when he was about to fight Connor one time. And he fought Connor. Then he got hurt. Yeah. Then he got hurt. They postponed it to like the end of the year. Then he got bopped. He got bodied. Um, That's that's one thing I will say about this like uh, lightweight division. This is kind of a pressure cooker. When you look at all these names, it's like a fucking bro. Like even I'm looking down to the bottom of this. Bro, Drew Dober is 15. Man, the lightweight division, it's been stacked since they merged with WEC. Like, literally. Since, like, what, 2009? The lightweight division's been stacked. It's insane. And then there's a lot of guys in that, in that not top 10, or fringe top 10, 
who are probably going to make some championship noise in the next year or two. Um, one I like Quinta. I like number 10. Islam Makachev. Me too. I like number 10. I do too. I do too. And look, you said that um, one of your guys who's a scar on your chest, like Sagat, that big split that lights up sometimes, you know what I'm saying? When the rain hard, you feel a little pain right there. <laughs> because of a fighter that you had a lot of promise for, or you had a lot of kind of hope for, and then they didn't quite pan out. That's your guy was, um, was it uh, Will Brooks? Will Brooks is one of them people. I have many scars, trust me. I'm literally looking at a name. I'm Mark on that one. Oh, I have plenty too. Um, I'm looking at a name right now. Number 13 is that name for me. Hold on, time out, time out. I'll tell you one name that will forever scar my memory. Eric Silva. Oh, oh, the potential in the world. He is another scar. All the potential Same. in the world. Same. Bop. No, when Eric, when Eric Silva first came on the scene, I was like, that guy's going to be the next champion. I, like, I had no doubt in my mind that, that we were looking at a guy who was going to be not just a champion, but a dominant champion, too, because he was like, no, he had no holes in this game. Like, apparently. I mean, we thought. Yeah, exactly. We thought. We thought. A, a guy like that, that, another guy in that same mode that I thought was going to be like fucking world beater was Kevin Lee. He got, he still got potential, man. He still got, he still got his time. He, he, you know what? He's kind of in that same mode of Charlie Oliveira where he's only really fought top comp. Yeah, right. he has. He's only and he has had obviously up and downs though. He's like when he he's beat some little notable names and he's lost to some notable names. But right now he's with, he's in TriStar with um, Faraz Zahabi. So not, not just that he is trying to make a jump to welterweight, which I think is a really good jump for him. I think he's a big enough dude to where he will make a run at welterweight. Will he be champ? We'll see. We'll see what TriStar does with him, but Could I be. think that's a good move. I, I don't, I don't, I don't look. You know me. I think you should compete as close to your weight as possible, just for vitality reasons. I don't think it's good. It's a good idea to drain that far, like just mm-hmm. for having the vitality. Like I think it's fine. I think it's good. And he might. He's going to give up some size to go going to one set like bro like the the guys at one seventy are fucking huge. Like Kamaru Usman is two ten. He don't weigh no one near right. one seventy, bro. And that's the cream of the crop. So it's dangerous. He's like in his in his words, he's a motherfucking problem. He's a problem, bro. Put yeah. some respect I, on his name. I don't really see Kevin Lee really having that much trouble until he gets to like the Gilbert Burns or Kobe Covington or like the top I think he's a top five guy in 170 I really do I think he can compete with like the Vicente Luque's and stuff like that Vicente Luque is kind of a big guy but I think he can technically compete with him he did choke out the number six guy though he choked out Kiesa yes yep that's a big game Kiesa's huge Kiesa's a huge 170 um, look, I don't think it's necessarily the size that he'll have to deal with. Um, not necessarily. I mean, he will give up some size. But to me, 
Kevin Lee's struggles have never been physical. I don't think it's been. I, I think it's like more maturity and game plan. And he has. He's getting older, so he's getting more experience. So the maturity part, if if he evolves as a person, that'll come around. And he's in one of the best camps you can be in with Faraz Sahabi as far as tactician and game planning. Um, that head kick that he lands on uh, the guy who's rated above him, Gregor Gillespie, was a thing of beauty. Mm-hmm. And that was after he moved to TriStar at 155. So, look, yeah, I'm all for it. You know, like I said, I'm all for it. I, when guys move up, I kind of I like it. I like seeing guys move up and give it a shot because, to me, that's the, the last resort should be going down. That should be the last resort. That's if you can't hack it at the bigger size, then you cut. A la Barbosa. Guys like that or all, all Jose Aldo. If you if you can't hack it, then you try to get an advantage somehow. But it seems to me that it just it does better for the guys going up. That are guys that are competing bigger at smaller weight classes, they seem to do better when they move up. And that's why I have a lot of hope for um John Jones. And I have a lot of hope for guys like um, Kevin Lee who are trying to make that move up, given that we've seen examples of that in the past of guys moving up and becoming more successful. All right, so who you guys picked for the main event for this pay-per-view this weekend? I'll make this quick. Charlie Olives. How, how? I'll say I think this fight's going to be – very competitive, but I got Oliveira winning by third round. I, I'm going to say third round rear naked choke. I'm going to, I'm going to, I think um, it's going to be a firefight pretty early. And like the first two rounds, the first round is going to be a feeling out process. I don't think Chan's going to come out blazing. I think he knows he can't do that against Charlie. I think it's going to be a pretty decent feeling out process. Second round, they might turn, they'll turn it up a lot. I think. Here's how I see the fight going, though. I see Oliveira hurting Charles, uh, Oliveira hurting Chandler on the feet and then finishing it with a real naked choke. Animal? Uh, I'm just going to watch the fight. Mark? I'm going second round knockout with Chandler. Woo! Second round knockout with Chandler. I like it. I like it. Spicy. I think he's going to feel him out the first round, and I think it's going to be kind of like a little bit of a basically a feel out process. But I think the tactical part of Chandler, I think he's on a good high right now, and I think he's going to jump in and get a knockout, honestly. Um, but that being said, I think Dustin comes back and smokes him. So, okay. I'll if predict the next two. Okay. I'm going decision. Decision, and I don't even know who's gonna win. Decision by <laughs> winner by decision. That's my pick. So at least you're not being. <laughs> at least you're not being Mark and being Miss Cleo predicting future fights, bro. So I'm <laughs> going decision, winner by decision. Like, I don't know who's gonna win it. I'm just going decision. <laughs> my boy Mark was going on my fucking his, his his moon sign and his star signs. He was like, "Yo, <laughs> you know, he's flipping the uh, tarot cards over and shit, I got rolling the, the dice out. and the bones and shit." You want to come in the trash can? 
you will have success in your immediate future. However, <laughs> shortly thereafter. But I see the lightweight division going. going that way, to be honest. Oh. There's such a pressure cooker in so many killers right now. There's no like super dominant person. Top 10 is low in lightweight right now. So I think the belt's going to be changing hands for a little bit until someone just rises to the occasion. Kind of like the uh, light heavyweight title when Rampage won it. And then, right. well, he defended it once and then he just lost it. And then after that, uh, Forrest Griffin lost it to Rashad. Then Rashad lost it to Machida. Yeah. Then Machida should have lost it to Shogun the first round, like the first yeah. fight. The second time. But then he definitely lost it the second time. And then Shogun lost it right after that to John Jones. John Jones. And then it didn't get lost for a while. Now nah, he ran with that <laughs> shit. Yeah. But you're right, though. It was, it was like a um, revolving door. And it's going to be, I think, I think Mark, you might be on something. Like I said, we said earlier, that I'm looking at these names. I'm like, fuck, there's not a guy on that list that can't claim the belt. And that's like, we're talking about the top, like, 15 guys. Everybody, everybody on that list, everybody on that list has a legit shot, given, a, given the right matchup, obviously. But every guy on that list from top 10 up could be champion. And top 15, given the right matchup, definitely could be champion. So mm-hmm. um, this is the first time we've ever had a non-consensus victory on Ashy Knuckles for the main event of a pay-per-view. So we can all give a nice howl for all the lone wolves out there. I'm just going to give you a nice big howl. That's a lone wolves. I got. I picked the submission. I got Charlie Owls by submission. Third round uh, choke. Uh, Marky G says we uh, Chandler's going to get a second round knockout. I like it. That could be an ashy knuckle moment. Um, Brian's just gonna watch the fight, and Mosey is picking the decision, but not who. Um, look, every obviously this is MMA. This is why we watch. We don't know the outcomes. We just are fans of the sport. This podcast is for the fans, by the fans, and we love it. So what we're gonna do right now is what we always do. We gonna zip it up. Zip it out. Peace. All right, later. Bye. So you tell me you, you guys are done? No, you guys ain't done. Okay, we're done. <laughs> la, 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 la.